Welcome back to This Is Hardcore Podcast. You just heard Out For Justice and Guillotine. There's a new LP coming out. Nothing to prove. Get your pre-orders now at DAZstyle.com. This is Lumpy from Sanction, also in Out For Justice. He's been doing so many great records, pushing hardcore further in the Northeast. This is out for justice. You heard him earlier on the uh, year. Very happy to be able to promo this song. Support these small labels. Support Daystyle. Support Rebirth Records. Support From Within. I mean, the list goes on and on. Hardcore's in a great spot because there are people who are really pushing this shit forward. And it's uh, it's up to you guys. How you support these labels. How you support these bands. This is what's going to matter. You know? Guys like Lumpy and Carter, Bob Wilson, um, Lennon, you know, these small labels grow with the support of the scene. That's how things happen. So put your money where your Twitter mouth is and fucking support. Thank you. This is an in-between episode. I think we had four shows in seven days and a wedding and with dealing with West Coast time change and three hours of just commuting in between to and from work. My my week got fucked up last week. I couldn't even put one out. G was like, yo, just put something out, you know, just you chopping it up. I couldn't even make that happen last week. So I've decided to put it in between or out. Uh, after this weekend, it's really going to be getting hard and tracking a bunch of episodes so we get a little bit Ahead of ourselves. But not to derail from the California talk, but we're going to have a special guest next week. And um, a lot of people really enjoyed his episode the first time out. I'll leave his name out, but I'm pretty fucking excited. <sighs> this is an interesting in between. And uh, I know I'm in the right space because I'm pretty fucking emotional. Not just. Because of what I'm about to talk about. But just in general. You know. This is a wild time. And. Um, I don't know. I think. Sometimes. Maybe you guys will listen and relate. Sometimes I say some shit that's personal. And I get some cool messages. Not to kind of like. Oh. You know. Joe. We love you. Support. But. It's nice to know. Even for me. That I'm not the only person losing my fucking mind out here. You know. Um, so with that being said. Last week. Um, if anybody listened to the Raw Will to Live episode, I brought up Olin from Texas and, uh, 
little bit shocked was an understatement. Ola Martin, of 19 years old, Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas area, uh, little asshole on Twitter, used to troll me, had him blocked. His friend they said, hey, they're just playing around. Brought him back a- into the fold of the Twitter world, and me and him busted some balls to each other. Fucking terrific cat, man. And um, he took his life, 19 years old. Sucked up. Uh, Carmen D'Amico who was my best friend took his life when I was 19 years old I met Carmen he was in our neighborhood uh, we were smaller you know I'm not like a fucking big dude at the time neither was Carmen and uh, we saw this white kid and you know in a pretty mixed neighborhood holding the 40 outside the Chinese store, and we're like, yo, what's up, man? And he's like, oh, you know, blah, blah, Carmen. And he had, like, a Bounce of Soul shirt, so we're like, yo, what's up with the shirt? Next thing you know, we go to shows together. We're, you know, drinking 40s together. Little did I know, Carmen would be a huge part of my life in years to come, not only as an older dude to, to us by two years, but just, like, you know, uh, Carmen would eventually be... I would use his car to pass my driver's license test. When I found out I would be a father, I moved out of my mother's house and moved into an apartment above the, her work. Started working at a bowling alley. Uh, quit high school. Got a GD. Carmen was my first roommate. And um, got him a job at the bowling alley. And uh, he and I suffered some emotional shit. You know, uh, we had a second floor apartment over this bar. And what would happen is we would uh, listen to records. And my uh, kid's mother, his her, her best friend was dating Carmen. So the running apartment joke was like, someone's getting thrown off this deck. You know, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump off the deck. Or I'm going to throw this shit off the deck. And it was like a constant reference. But I mean, it was in him, you know, uh sitting in his ex-girl's backyard, listening to that green New York hardcore is the way it is compilation on CD. You know, um, he had the Mob double CD and he had the Leeway double CD, but I had the Murphy's Law. I had uh, the Warzone, constantly trading, constantly listening to each other's stuff. Uh, We used to ride the bus together when we would work at the Bowen Alley. Went to a shit ton of shows together. He came with me to the Agnostic Front Reunion. My mom got he and I tickets. Um, you know, I I went from being, you know, like a young, young teenager to the beginning of a man with him. And uh, by the end of the summer, he and I got into a fist fight in my mom's house, and he bit my stomach, and I was hitting him in the head with a cast, and my mom hit him a couple times. And we didn't talk for a couple months, but then we're right back at it, shows and hanging out and driving everywhere together, and um, some really rough, dark times for us, you know, uh, we smoked a lot of dust, used to drink these Mickey 40s, then they came out with the Mickey Grenades, and then the St. I coolers, we used to get turned the fuck up. 
go out to shows. I remember a couple of times, even though we had a car, or he had a car rather, we would drink 240s and then drink two cheap bottles of cough syrup and ride the L down to the show because we would be too fucked up to drive. And um, that's the way it was. You know, um, shows, hanging out, cruise shit, wings, graffiti, neighborhood shit. You know, he was from Junietta. I was from Frankfurt. Uh, we both had cousins that lived in Kensington together. We knew a lot of the same people. And, uh, you know, like a lot of people, we always say, you know, we call a lot of people our brother, but he was a fantastic individual. And the night before he killed himself, I wasn't allowed to go to the show. I was technically at the time banned from that venue. But we were talking about going to 25 to life the next day. And I even hit him up, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I bet, you know, I'll see you tomorrow. I get a wake up, I get a phone call from George Hirsch, blacklisted, before he was in the BAM. And he said, yo, uh, you better get down here, or something going on at Carmen's house. Someone from the neighborhood, this kid Wally, who was like a bald-headed, kind of like uh, albino-type kid, had called George and was like, yo, there's cops all over Carmen's house. Uh, Carmen's dead It's easier to say this But Carmen was in the deal On drugs And some shadier shit But that's how people Got down back then So I didn't know If he was getting locked up Or whatever When we pulled up There was a sheet With it over his body And his mom was Margie was crying And uh What I didn't know Was that Carmen had pulled his back out Pretty bad At work And was Not having good health problems And I don't fucking know, but decided to fucking kill himself. Uh, being the sarcastic dickhead that he was, he went ahead and uh, signed his suicide note, P.S. Mom, sorry about the mess. And um, that night was the last time I drank. And uh, the next day, I was it. I said, I'd never do this shit again. And... He still has an impact. I have like five pictures of him ever. Fucking sucks. I was so blessed that his sister came to This Is Hardcore, Chrissy. Got to see Saves the Day. Got to hug her, check in on her. She's doing fantastic. His nieces are doing fantastic. It's far, Maybe it's fucked up, but you know, people come into your lives and you still have an impact with them. And so I was 19 when Carmen died. And, uh, Carmen was 21, I think, turning 22. And I think about this little jerk-off from Texas that started this fucking rant. You know, um, we never know what's going on inside of people. In 2014, I lost my fucking mind. And, um, you know, when they when they say people break, it's an interesting thing because they take the biggest thing going on and that's the impetus. But what really is, it's a constant fracturing and just a wearing down of someone. It's not, it's very, I mean, I'm not a fucking master of psychology here, but I never believe it's one thing. You know, one thing should never be enough. And we never really know how people feel, but um, I was on a long tear. Ups and downs, lefts and rights. 
emotional rock and roller coaster trying to find balance in the world. And for whatever reason, I think I just ran out of the juice or the resolve or the mental reserves strong enough to kind of mitigate whatever was in front of me. And uh, I decided to start walking towards the Ben Franklin Bridge. And my now then-girlfriend, now-wife, ended up chasing me several blocks and grabbed my feet as I was climbing up the, the, the chain-link fence in the construction area to, to jump off this fucking bridge. And the Saturday night, this is hardcore. And um, it wasn't really like a, it's a wonderful life moment the next day, but people like George Hirsch, people like Todd Jones, uh, fucking title fight, Cold World, Bob Wilson, so many fucking people just rode out so hard. And um, I had a second chance. And um, I don't know why I'm saying this to you, but I'm fucking pissed off that this fucking little jerk off did that. You know, I don't, I don't know him well at all. You know, like he's a troll me on Twitter, so I would meme his ass, and then like he would only refer to me as Mister Hardcore, and would break my balls. But like I knew he was earnest, and he hit me up a couple times about his band, Kinky Bastards, playing the fest, and then he passes, and I'm like reading this fucking shit. In fact, I was like driving home after having diner with Mike Barletti, Mike Hooligan. And I'm reading this fucking shit on Twitter. And I'm like, how the fuck did this kid do this? Or like, you know, so I'm talking to his people and just trying to figure it the fuck out. You know, I reached out to his father. His father's a OG punk rock guy. Um, linked up with a couple of my old heads. Just, it's a weird thing when someone takes their life. And, uh. We're not too far off from, you know, it being a year from since Steve Potashio took his life. And um, I guess I want to say that if you have this shit in your head, if you have some fucking doubts, you just need to call me. You can just reach out anytime. I take this shit very seriously. I'm very lucky that I didn't get to over that fence and didn't end up in that river that night. And... I don't want other other people to go through that. So, rest in peace, Olin Martin, you little fucking jerk off. I wish to God I could have known you better, and I wish you would have known you could have called me, and maybe we could have talked this shit out. And uh, I'm sorry you'll never get to play the fest. I'll never get to see your sick mosh in person. We'll never get a picture together. And, uh... I don't care if you think it's weird that some kid from Twitter bummed me out, but it fucking did because in in everything that we do, we're connected, whether we like it or not, not by algorithmic mutual friendships and the social patterns of posts, but because this hardcore shit is a common thing that we all share. There's a lot of bisecting lines, and yeah, everyone's off in their own, you know, machinations of records and shows and bands they like and bands they don't like and places they live and thousands of miles apart. But we're all still connected. And so, Hardcore lost a spirit that 
when you read the tweets about him, it's hard to not be upset and think about this loss. Man, that's a fucking great way to start this fucking episode, huh? We rock out to some fucking out for justice and then I bum you fucking guys out. Got a lot going on in my life. Uh, this this long drives are killing me. I'm trying to make the best of it. I'm trying to do the right thing. Um, I like the podcasts. I like listening to them on the way home. I like catching up with my friends. But my my sleep schedule got fucked up. With so much shit going on. So many just... You know, and an hour becomes two hours and three hours is on the computer with emails and show offers and trying to make flyers and phone calls that have to be had and the California time frame, jujitsu, all this stuff. I, I just slacked and I couldn't get some. I couldn't get an episode out last week, so there was no way I wasn't going to do one this week. I'm sorry that there's not an episode 57. It's my fault. I could have. Coulda, shoulda, woulda, coulda, but didn't. And that's what the fuck it is. Um, I had something amazing happen. And this is like a weird counter to the idea of jumping off a bridge. But in 2009, I began serving house arrest. And I had the opportunity to um, catch up and talk to friends on the telephone and just kind of refocus myself, got out of some of the chaos and the negativity, um, had a lot of anger management classes and was really introduced to therapy at that time. But, you know, Richie Crutch was a chains. Richie, obviously, so many things about him, so many episodes, the Rule of Three podcast. That motherfucker called me every week and stayed up with me. Helped me through so much. Um, my now wife, uh, we talked every Saturday night. It's just friends. We're just friends. She was coming home from work. I was coming home from bar backing. We would talk for a bunch of hours. And that would lead to the beginning of our relationship. And so much from it. But also, coming out of it, and Bob Wilson really started to actually invite me around his friends. Um, the kids and agitator had asked me to sing on a track, and Andrew accordingly popped up at my house to pick me up. And here's this kid, might have been the whitest kid I've ever seen in the neighborhood at the time. And it was so just young and cool. And I, I just love this kid, man. Like, here he is picking me up and we're talking. And, you know, there, there's no shame in him, he tells me. You know, I grew up on this kind of music and I found hardcore. And, you know, within a year or so, it was him and the Agitator Kids and the Mother Mercy guys and Jill Diebler and so many others that would come put up the tents or help out with the fest so they can get in. So I got to trade off. They help out. They get in. Well, fucking over 10 years later, I get to watch Andrew accordingly marry Jill Diebler and probably one of the most perfect weather, beautiful ceremonies. Actually officiated by 
a complete chooch of a person, Matt Carl, who yet managed to fucking pull out like one of the greatest officiated weddings out of a hardcore punk person I ever seen done. True class. So many amazing things said. Uh, my hat's off to the motherfucker. But, you know, this is like one of these weird moments where a story changes courses, you know? Like, I said thanks to Bob before at the wedding and told him I loved him, but it's the truth, and I'll say it to people here. I don't know why these assholes wanted to be my friend, but I'm better for these people being my friend. Um, Not to say that ass-kicking gang dudes and neighborhood graffiti writers and, you know, crazy old heads and, you know, show promoters isn't a fun thing to hang out with. But there was an earnest, fun, like, pure, like, they weren't trying to get anything out of me by being my friend. And AC and Jill have been so fucking supportive of me. And just good people. And I've watched these kids grow to be just amazing adults and I'm just so fucking happy for them it's like the most two pure American kids I know like it was a fantastic ceremony so many of my friends around and that was another part of why like I couldn't even I didn't even have the time between the show before the wedding to even bop up a a podcast this wasn't going to happen you know I had to get up at three in the morning to go to work so that way I could be there on time so many little things, but it's all fucking worth it. You know, this whole living experience, going to these shows and supporting these bands and the insane energy that these shows give us is one thing, but it's always going to be the human element. It's always going to be the people that you talk to in between songs or between bands, the people you drive up with, the people who, when they start a new band, you want to be up front and singing the words for them or buying a t-shirt for them. These are the important things in hardcore. And um, maybe they get glossed over sometimes in these fucking three-hour conversations we have. And as I think about it in between conversation I have with you guys, there's nothing more in between than these little bits of glue that we really don't overanalyze on these conversations as we get through factoid points about what was the inertia for the record to come out and the motivations and the personal stories. But hardcore in and in itself is a living, breathing community of people that you just randomly run into one day and somehow 11 years later you're in their wedding or you're at their wedding or you're watching them grow and you know have kids. I've seen so many amazing people that are my age or younger getting married, having kids, starting businesses, just growing, but still keeping what they can within the hardcore scene. And it's an amazing experience to have. It, it, it's what separates us, you know? Um, now, granted, many people have some amazing families, thousands of cousins and aunts and step-aunts and cousins and uncles and grandparents and whatever you want to fucking have. I got plenty of that, but I'm not connected to them. You know, don't really get invited to family weddings. No need to. We're not close. Hardcore is my family. Um, Hardcore is where so much of my life has, like, blossomed. 
And it's not a bad thing. And granted, yeah, there's the fucking million tweets like imagine if or, you know, feel sorry for the people that all they have in their life is hardcore. Well, fuck you. Been going to shows since before high school. Left high school. Agnostic Front's reunion kept me excited about life. Excited about everything. And, um, you know, all the ups and downs. You know, having a kid young. Quitting high school and getting a GED so I can go to get a regular ass job. First with my uncle, my father, then later at the bowling alley, then back with my uncle and father. Then off to working with the Irish stucco crazy assholes. And then a myriad of either cabinet making jobs or stucco or um, laboring for concrete guys in the basements. You know, it's the hardcore shows that got me through that. It was the, I need to work this amount of time because I know we're going to go here. Or I got to save money up because we're going to go to Detroit with the Swaria. You know, I don't know. Serendipitously enough, because we didn't have the deep family bonds, it was so easy to to latch on to all these people, you know? My big brother, Jamie Davis, turned 50 this year. I, I was bummed I was on tour with Shadow Realm. I couldn't be there to hug him and tell him happy birthday. But, you know, if you would have asked a 14 or a 15-year-old Joe Hargore, Jamie Davis was the coolest motherfucker on earth. And at 41 years old, I still think Jamie Davis is one of the coolest motherfuckers on earth. You know, um... It's this human connection to the hardcore scene where when the music stops, it's the bonds and then the friendship and it's the funny stories, you know, um, the hanging out, the jokes, the shit talking, it's the camaraderie and and that's the, that's the fiber that pulls people in. It's why I hate the fucking internet sometimes, not because you can't download a cool song or check out a record or buy a t-shirt or be upset, be upset about someone from 3,000 miles away because I feel like it's torn away the opportunities or, you know, allow people to forego having to build these bonds and just instantaneously just have hundreds of people to talk to. So these friendships mean less. Not for me, you know. I'm an analog person in a lot of ways in a world that became very digital. My friendships still are so fucking deep. And so as we started with this California stuff, you know, what Mikey Hood had to say about resonating with it, you know, coming out here, staying with my mother. And then later as we got into Chris, I mean, these are deep familial bonds. People that over 20 plus years, still friends, could pick up the phone right now and call them to listen to anything I have to say. When my mother was diagnosed with a double um, mastectomy needed because she had breast cancer, Chris called me once a week just to make sure I was okay because I used to check in with him when his family members had problems. That's what you do. Even if you haven't laid eyes on each other in the flesh for many years, you stay in touch with the people that you care about, the people that you cross paths with in hardcore. And it's absolutely fantastic. And it's a gift. It's a gift we all have. You know, I I really fucking suck when it comes to going to work in one regard. 
I don't give a fuck about the regular social camaraderie at work. Say a handful of people that really matter outside of the job to me. And that's because I have so many fantastic friends and so much to look forward to. And I, I really, 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 really recently realized that there's some people that they know more people in these damn jobs than they have family at home. And it's why they're so outgoing. And me, I'm kind of all business, you know, headphones on. Let's fucking go. Let's get this done. Let's fucking move. I'm just thankful that I have people that I can talk to. Thankful that I have people I can relate to. Thankful that I have people that I can lean on. Um, the G, Jeff Gavin from Broad Street Breakdown, Crescent Tattoos. He was in this band, Done Deal. Poor that he was a, worked at a record store in South Street, Philadelphia. Then another record store. Probably one of my biggest inspirations and supporters when this podcast started. Now he and I have the rule of three with Richie together. The G constantly checks in, constantly makes sure I'm all right. And you just have this weird thing about when you start being boys with people, you know, and like you have these connections where you wonder if your friends are right and you know if they're a little off. But that guy who comes to work and he's got a thousand questions about what you did today and the fuck did you eat and all this shit, he just have such disdain for them. Now I realize they don't have what we have. They don't have a full fucking world where there's people that know you from X amount of years ago and they just met you outside of some show. You know, I'm very lucky. And in this in this in between, I'm really lucky. You know, um I'll get a little serious from time to time, and this is a pretty serious one. I posted on Instagram this week about my daughter, Kay. Obviously, as I said, I had her when I was very young. And I just didn't want her to grow up in Philadelphia. I knew it was a hellhole. And it just got worse as it progressed. So she didn't live in Philly for many years. Then she moved back. Eventually, she ended up living with me and my mother. Then she lived with me and Jess when we got our own spot. And then she moved back with her mother. And she lived with me. And then she moved away in her last couple years of high school. But before that, I had some amazing experiences with her. It used to be funny because she used to fight with me to like come help out at shows. But anybody was there at the Christmas show we did at the church and she stayed for the Chrome Mags. It was fantastic. And um, just in general, it was hard. I didn't know how to be a dad. I told her this. My father wasn't exemplary at the very minimum, was not around. But just wasn't, there was no blueprint to be a father. And it was just anxiety and fear. And when it became time to have full, you know, care of this child, she was approaching her, you know, high school years. It was hard. I could see the anxiety and her stress, but she was so fucking amazing, so fucking brilliant. I mean, for fun, she was reading the Iliad. And the, it's like amazing. Just a cool kid. Halfway between nerd and like hood rat. So brilliant, but just so socially unaware of herself. And um, so shit happens. We got on a bad feet. 
to her COVID, I reached out just to tell her, like, a reminder, listen, you know, I got your own union insurance. If uh, you need to get checked, it's free, blah, blah, blah. We reconnect it. And it's been an absolute fucking blessing, you know, to have my daughter in my life. You know, she can call me or whatever, you know. Um, but then she did a really even crazier thing. She started coming to shows starting at the Year of the Knife return show to Philly. And it's just amazing. But then at the same time, it's surreal, you know. When Shattered Rome went out to Pittsburgh the night before our two shows in the Midwest, she texted me, I'll see you in Pittsburgh. And sure as shit, she was at the Code Orange show in the pit. And it's like, oh, I created this crazy asshole. And now she's traveling across the states and watching bands and just I, I the the few people that are listening to have kids, hopefully you get this experience. Or maybe you raise your kids and don't be nowhere near it. But I never raised my kid to not be in the pit. Obviously I made her stage dive during a Chromax. But I'm I'm really happy it was under her own volition that she chose to come back to our world. And it's an interesting thing. It's a full circle life thing, you know? And I think that she understands the connections that we're talking about here. You know, um, we we drove around. It was the night before my birthday, after the show, the year of the knife record release party. We talked, and, you know, she's like, I just didn't think people would remember me. I said, don't, don't you remember, like, you know, like you were like 11, 12 years old. Everyone knew you because you were my daughter. You know, you're around, like, you grew up around these people. Of course they know you. Of course they love you. You know? And it was great to see her happy to be welcomed back to hardcore and loved. Like she had just gone away for a week, you know? And we're all so blessed. And these connections that we have with this podcast, the people that we talk to, their impact are just like kind of the foundational things that we all need to hear how bands worked, how people did things, the motivations. But what we're not talking about is the reason why people stay in the fucking game, it's because of the fucking friendships, because of the interactions, because of the camaraderie, because of the sense of home, the sense of family. And I don't think I could have alliterated that too much. Maybe we've touched on it a couple times. And, you know, I think those these are obvious tropes constantly covered in hardcore songs for obvious reasons. But we really never delved the deepest into this, you know? So tying this all this back in to what I said about Olin, you know, um, we owe it to each other to be a little bit more kind and a little bit more forgiving. And we owe it to each other to understand sometimes people aren't going to reach out. So we need to be our brothers and sisters keepers here. We need to be cognizant. We're just trying to be empathetic enough to see things that may help them get over it. Um, so many amazing people that just reach out, talk about the podcast. Old friends that reach out and tell a funny story. And it, it's fun. It's fun to constantly bring new people up. like, and, and then, you know, search the ideas to have them on the show. And it's my way of just staying in touch with my friends, you know. Um, and it's my way to explain to the world the kind of little stories that you may not have heard already. There's so many more to tell. 
and I'm going to get better with trying to record a big bank ahead of time. I just like information to stay fresh. It'd be, it'd be shitty to, like, interview someone three months out, and then, like, they've got a good project thing going on, but we don't get to fuck with it, you know, because it's too late or whatever. So, going forward, I'm going to do a better job of recording, but it is good. It is what it is, you know, like timing being what they are trying to do this west coast stuff is a little bit harder than i thought got a lot more to go next week we're doing something a little different but needless to say i still feel like the podcast is on the right track um huge a thousand billion trillion shout outs to zach nelson and everybody at 185 miles south podcast one of the greatest hardcore podcasts if not the one that I recommend the most to people. You want to just hear them talk about records they like. You know, what's their favorite record from the 80s this year? This this episode was fantastic. They talked about 1989. This is stuff I look forward to, you know? Um, last week, Broad Street Breakdown dropped an episode that was fucking fantastic. And I was, like, excited to hear my friends just go back and forth. If you guys ever listen to Howard Stern, you just listen to people like have good, funny conversations that you can relate to and then it not also be completely hardcore related, but culture related, wrestling, hip hop, actors, comedians, real life shit. I mean, the balance between Vinny Paz and uh, Professor Pablo and the G and Xavier is absolutely fucking amazing. And maybe I'm biased because they're my homeboys, but just really enjoy hearing them when they have a new episode. Make sure you're listening to that. Uh, The kids, Jeff has three kids. They have a fucking podcast called The Gaviners. They're really deep into video games. The level of what they're into video games is fucking insane. And um, me and my... Other kids' mother used to play Mario Party. In fact, for years we would all play Mario Party. It became like an addictive game. We play Mario Parties or Super Mario, um, Super Mario, uh, Super Mario Kart, and then you know Smash Brothers and all this shit. I mean, like we played so much fucking hours of video games, and they were covering their favorite in Mario Party shit. And you know these are kids, but their fucking podcast was great. We want to check that out. Check out the Gaviners. It was awesome. Make sure to listen to Post America Podcast, Richie's podcast. He did a great episode where he updated people. He has a lot more coming on. Go back in the archives. Listen to some of them interviews that Richie has. He has some fucking fantastic interviews. That's a podcast. Like, I mean, without, you know, constantly saying it, without Post America Podcast and Broadsheet Breakdown, there never would have been a This Hardcore Podcast. So it's only fair and right that, we would all link up for the rule of three, which is now on Apple. We're going to be recording when Richie gets back. Wisdom and Chains is playing in Salt Lake City this weekend. We're going to get back, start recording some more episodes. Um, Really, one of the coolest things I've seen in recent times is some of these small zines that are coming out. Uh, Carter's got a new zine. Um, the zine culture is really bopping in a, in a very analog way. I'm glad to see that going while people are still building up and putting out, um, some fresh shit as far as podcasts go. And, and I, 
I actually am happy to see it because I was worried podcasts might take away the zine format. So I'm I'm happy people are really pushing that shit forward. Um, Drew Stone, which is a future guest on the show, just had Sonny sing on the New York Hardcore Chronicles. Now, what Drew does is he puts them live on FB, but then you could watch it on YouTube. But make sure you're watching the New York Hardcore Chronicles. I was a guest on there. So many fucking people are guests on there. Recently, Richie Mancuso, Richie Crutch, he was just on there. Drew Stone does a really good job, and it's an interesting, different take on things. Also, Richie was on the Brooklyn Blast Furnace with Jimmy. I think Jimmy's doing the podcast again. Make sure you check that out. Um, MH Chaos was on Dan Crowley's Getting It Out podcast. I don't know if you've seen the MH shit, but it's out tomorrow. October 29th. MH Chaos. And Z9. Z9, the Wisdom and Chains band on Fast Break. MH Chaos from Chicago on Fast Break. It's it's amazing. Um, obviously, I've dropped their name. They put, had them, I put the, played them a million times on the podcast. But MH, I saw them at FYA for the first time. Walked up with them, asked them what they were doing about a record. And 12, was it? End of January 12, 22 months later, the record's out. It's on Fast Break Records. It's fucking fantastic. The guys in MH are just fantastic. Very level-headed, insanely talented people. Uh, so much respect for hardcore, so much respect for the culture, uh, the way that their music blends. Dave is an insanely talented lyricist, frontman. Very laid into the back, but, you know, very dominating presence voice-wise. Just overall talented band. So happy and so proud of these guys. In general, the in-between episode is just to make sure that you guys know I'm still here. Last week was hectic. This week is hectic, and I also think with the holidays. But um, we have an episode coming out. It's not going to be California-related, and then we're going to go... Really fucking hard through November in California. And then all through December is some really sick East Coast shit. Um, couple other things to talk about since I got your undivided attention here and there's nowhere else you guys can go. Starting with the first thing, make sure you're following phillyhcshows.com. And the reason why you do that is because that's where all of our cool shows are at. So make sure you're checking that shit out. Uh, in the last few weeks, we've had some fucking insane shows here. Insane. Whether it was shit that Bob put on or I put on, just some absolutely fun fucking shows. The Drain Show at the church on the floor was fantastic. Crown of Thorns and Bury Dreams and Simulacra, Jesus Christ. Just sick fucking show in the church. And then, dude, Bob show this Sunday at the church. Nine bands. Whole show over. Uh, start to finish in five hours is fucking fantastic. Um, so many cool bands. So many awesome friends. We have a lot more coming up. Make sure to just check out phillyhcshows.com. More church shows. More shows at newer venues. Bob's got some Yuki Club shows. We're doing shows at the Phoenixville Polish Club. We're going to be breaking out 
uh, some shows at Kung Fu Netai later this year into the early 2022. So much good shit. Make sure you're following PhillyHGShows.com. FYA Fest sold out. I believe FYA pre-show sold out. So make sure you're following FYAFest.com. Make sure you're following Keystone HC Jam on Instagram. Club Reverb on Instagram. Our holiday jam is doing great. December 11th, we are going to have our friends. We'll be collecting some items for women's shelters. It's going to be awesome to see that. Um, it's just anytime we can ever get it for the holidays is amazing. You know, like I said, with this, with this lack of families or this need for family, there's nothing better than when we put these holiday things together. Like truly, it, it makes it so much fun. And also, you know, we get as a community to be able to collectively pull our power and help other people out. Right. So make sure you support the Keystone Jam. Make sure that you follow all of our stuff. Thank you for listening to me, Jabber One. I really appreciate you guys. I'm sorry for leaving you hanging a week. No excuses. Just couldn't get the job done and didn't want to half-ass it. But I had G's voice in my head like, dude, just get out there and do a solo thing. So here we are. This is an in-between episode. I'm not even going to number this. But I want you to know I'm out here. And I want you to know a little bit about why, even when things are hard, Remember that you're connected to something. You're connected to the fucking hardcore scene. There's somebody out there who you may have talked to five times, seen it at ten shows ever. And if something bad should happen to you, they may give money to your family. They might worry for you. There's so many things. I mean, look at the fucking support Roger and Lee, Eddie Leeway and all these guys have gotten, you know, Jimmy Murphy's Law. I mean, that's such a crazy thing to see all of our older guys going through so much. But the hardcore scene has always come together. And you're a fucking part of this. You'll never know the impact of what you have done for people or how people feel about you. And it's easily said about suicides and just death in general, but it sucks that those who take their life don't realize the pain they left, but also don't realize the impact of what they have on other people. So if you're listening to this, you're connected to somebody. You're a part of this. And I thank you. Thank you for being a part of this, for keeping it going, for loving it, for living it, or just enjoying it. Don't give up. I see somebody, even a, a fucking, you know, coincidental interaction with someone, you know, give them a little empathy where, you know, like, it's a fucked up time and there's a lot of weird things going on in the world. So give some people some space, but also make sure you're supporting them. That's all I got. I'm not, I mean, there's no really signing credits because it was just me bullshitting for 40 minutes. I love you guys. Next couple weeks really are going to be fucking solid. Thank you for the support and peace.